You're listening to the Happy and Healthy Podcast with Amy Lang, founder of Moxie Club. When you're looking for lasting weight loss, join us here for the mindset you need, a dash of inspiration, and stories that will bring it all to life. Episode number 17. Well, hey there, Amy here. Welcome back. This is part two of my interview with Brie Parquet. So what are some ways that we can actually stay with it then? Yeah. So just like we learned this behavior, we can unlearn the behavior and replace it with other things. So one strategy is to proactively check in. How am I actually feeling today? Do I feel okay? Do I feel stressed? Do I feel tired and doing that with non-judgmental terms. And I, you know, I even caught myself, you know, two minutes ago saying a bad feeling. There are no bad emotions. You know, emotions aren't good or bad. They're just, they're valid and they're there. Um, And so not saying I feel bad, I feel good, but you might say I feel energetic, I feel worried. And then what is the worry about, right? Is it, I'm worried that, you know, all my family and friends are going to get COVID and um, you know, something bad's going to happen to them, then you can get into, well, where is the evidence for that? Is that a fear or is that a fact? And we're reworking the way our cognition impacts our mood and our behavior. And that's that, that cognitive behavioral loop that we talk about in CBT, cognitive behavior therapy. So part of it is just being able to accept like, I don't feel great today. You know, I'm, I'm anxious. I'm afraid. I'm angry. Um, you know, people that are missing out on these big events, people having to reschedule weddings and not having graduations. It's actually okay to be angry about that. And the other thing I'm seeing is guilt. Guilt that people are feeling upset about an event they're missing when there are people other places that have died from this. And something that I cannot stress enough is that no matter what we're dealing with, there's going to be somebody somewhere who's dealing with something worse. And as terrible as that is, it doesn't make our experience kind of suck less. That's sort of what I say to all my clients. As bad as it is for somebody else, that doesn't mean our experience doesn't suck. And it's okay to have feelings about it, even though somebody else has a harder time. Yeah, I was thinking about just the whole, you know, our generation where we, um, Star Wars and Yoda, right? Like fear leads to hate, hate leads to the dark side. It, that message as a kid, you're like, okay, so I'm not supposed to go there. And if you, if that's that, and you're not even aware that that's how, how it got installed. For sure. And how many times did you, you know, and probably even recently, you'll, you'll be talking about something difficult that happened and somebody says, don't think about it. Just think about positive things. Smile, that'll help. Mm. Um, you know, don't be so negative. Those are messages that, again, it helps in the short term, but in the yeah. long term, there's no learning how to deal with a negative emotion if we're told not to deal with it, not to think about it. Okay. So what ends up happening is we replace that with other things that are less less um, productive. That's where you start seeing drinking, eating, drug use. Sometimes um, 
really not dealing with emotion. You know, we all have experience either ourselves at times or seeing a situation where somebody doesn't express emotion and doesn't talk about it. And I, the visual I use for this and have always told clients and patients is that if you ever take a two liter soda bottle and shake it up a lot and then try to open it, what's going to happen? Or even if you don't try to open it, you just keep shaking it. Eventually that pressure has to have some place to go. But if you shake it and then open the top a little bit and just let a little bit out and keep doing that, eventually you'll let enough pressure out that it's not going to explode. Our bodies are very, very similar to that. Thankfully, we won't actually explode. But emotionally, it does eventually reach a point where we're like sponges. We can't take in any more. And then that's where you start seeing behaviors come out that are less than productive. So one is it that it's about shifting your focus to something else that you're creating like unnecessary stress for yourself. And one, is it appropriate to, mm, this is actually something I do need to, to look at and sit with for a bit. So I think it depends on how often it's coming up. So something when I'm working with clients that I will often do early on is really have them track how often some of these things are coming up. Is this every single day? Is it triggered by certain things? Because how often it's coming up can kind of determine where we start and how we approach it. I do have people that I I recommend when there's so much worry and so much anxiety to put time on the calendar to actually sit and worry Hmm. about all of the things Every single day, if we, if it, you know, if it's too difficult or we haven't learned yet how to sort of automatically let that valve out, we're going to schedule the time in. And another thing that's really common in our culture is we attend to a lot of things proactively. We do not attend to our mental health proactively. Part of that is how our healthcare system works. Things have to be medically necessary, mm-hmm. but oftentimes that's not until there's a crisis. And the goal of mental health work is to avoid the crisis. We don't want it to get to crisis. So when I see people who, and my clients laugh at me because I equate our bodies to cars quite frequently, um, we'll put on a calendar and go to work late to get our oil changed. But it's really hard to go to work late, an hour late for a therapy appointment. There's a lot of guilt that goes into not going to work to attend to something for ourselves. That's a cultural issue. That's not necessarily a personal issue. Hmm. And we can't change that unless we actually change some of our behavior. Hmm. Well, that's, that's a lot to actually process. <laughs> a lot to think about. So what are some other thoughts that you have when it comes to emotional eating that we want to make sure folks keep in mind? Yeah, I think, you know, for a lot of people, they're aware of that as a pattern. I mean, I hear, I hear that pretty often that, you know, what is what is one of your your quarantine coping mechanisms? And I've heard a lot of people say it's ice cream or Cheez-Its or whatever, or those might be the ones that I use, allegedly. <laughs> but that is not an uncommon thing. Something I think that can be really helpful is one, ask yourself, Physically, what am I feeling right now? Am I thirsty or am I hungry? Sometimes when we are hungry, it 
actually is thirst and our mm -hmm. body is just make, you know, it feels more like it's a, it's a hunger issue than a thirst issue. So trying to drink water and stay on top of your hydration is really important. Another thing I'm hearing a lot from several people is that they're not drinking as much water. Um, we have cues at work, whether it's we keep a water bottle on our desk or there's a water cooler, there's a water cooler conversation. We're not having that cue now and people are sitting in the same place sometimes for seven hours straight and not getting up. So they're not drinking as much water which could potentially lead to, to feeling like they're, they're hungrier than usual. Mm -hmm. I would also keep on hand things that you enjoy, but tend to feel a little bit healthier. You know, having a basket of apples or something like that, that can address that sweet tooth, but doesn't necessarily, um, isn't necessarily calorie dense. It's more, you know, nutrient based. And th there's a number of different things that can do that. You know, handful of dates, you know, I remember the other night I was actually like really craving something sweet and I happened to have some dates on hand. Um, really good. It was so sweet. It actually worked, <laughs> you know, and I probably consumed a lot less. I had like two dates where, you know, any number of other sweets <laughs> would have, you would need a lot more than that to satiate that, that craving. And so I think doing an inventory of how your body's actually feeling, addressing other needs first. So am I hungry or am I actually thirsty? Mm. If you can, if you know, if you drink some water and you realize you're still kind of feeling like that, am I bored? Am I feeling anxious? What is behind whatever it is that's prompting you to eat. And the answer might actually be you're just hungry. You know, the other thing I'm noticing is people aren't eating on a regular schedule. So they'll realize at four o'clock they haven't eaten anything all day. The other side of that is we may need to start scheduling mealtimes. Again, we don't have those natural cues during the day where all your coworkers get up and go to work for, or go for lunch to tell you it's midday and it's time for lunch. So even so much as scheduling your meal times, which feels a little silly when you're at home, uh, but not having the visual cue otherwise, you know, it can, can make it difficult to remember to do that. And what we know is when we don't eat, when we do finally eat, we tend to overeat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my boyfriend knows that if, if I'm really hungry, I start getting really cranky. <laughs> it's yes. time to feed Amy. <laughs> well, that's kind of, you know, even from a clinical perspective, that can also increase anxiety and symptoms of depression or exacerbate any other mental health issues, right? Like lack of food yep. totally impacts our mood. And yep. then you have our sleep is messed up. Now our eating is messed up. Our schedules are messed up. You know, this is a perfect storm for some of these issues. And when we are feeling threatened or uncertain, we're grasping for things that are tangible. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and tangible. I would say too, if you are doing a lot of emotional eating, the other thing right now that I would really encourage folks not to do is not to beat yourself up. Yes. Once you kind of have that thought, like, oh, mm -hmm. yeah, I did this again. So that's not helping the situation. And what would you recommend when you catch yourself thinking that to do differently? So first, and because we're talking over Zoom, I'm going to look right into the camera in case anybody is watching this. So I'm looking directly at people. We are not shaming ourselves during a global pandemic. For anybody who listens to or reads any of Glennon Doyle's work, I want to kind of name her as like the COVID VIP. We cannot be shaming our behaviors ever, but particularly not during a global pandemic. Of the things we could be doing that are maladaptive, eating a little extra ice cream 
not the worst. So if it happens, it's okay to just say, okay, it happened. We're going to move on. It's another day. We're not going to shame ourselves for these behaviors. This is un, you know, emotions are hard and things are uncertain. And this is the nature of what it is. We can always do it again tomorrow. So yeah. no shaming first and foremost. Second of all, again, take inventory of how you're feeling. You, it may take some time of not actively intervening, but just to get a baseline. And that's what we do for a lot of different interventions is just get a baseline of, is this actually a problem or am I just thinking it's a problem? Do I have any concerning body image issues or am I actually eating too much? So that's the other thing too is you can check in with your doctor, make sure that there isn't anything unsafe about how you're eating or you know any kind of special adaptation you need to make to your diet. But you know that's an important piece of it too is making sure that what you're perceiving is actually what's happening. Yeah, I think it's the other, the one other suggestion I would have is, let's say the next day you notice the cue again that you're about to reach for something else. It could be just to try something different. Um, and that's a good point too. So one, uh, one of the, the clinical skills we use is called the chain analysis. And we do that in a, a lot of different things. They do it in technology too, but it's looking at antecedent behavior. That is something that can take some time because a lot of us don't know what happens right before we get hangry. Yeah. The one thing we know right before we get hangry is that we didn't eat. So then we know for the next time, if I don't eat, I have a tendency to become cranky and irritable. If you notice you're randomly cranky and irritable, one of the things that people often check is like, when was the last time I ate something, right? And so any of these other behaviors, it's very similar. If you notice that, they're, that you tend to gravitate towards certain foods when you're you know, maybe it's every, every day or certain times a day, look for patterns. Am I doing this at a certain time of day? Am I doing this after certain interactions? Am I doing this when I feel a certain way? Because then you know, okay, when I see these things pop up, we call them the antecedent, either events or behaviors, I know that I have a tendency to gravitate towards food as comfort. So one, I'm going to add additional support before it gets to that point. Like if I, I know if I have a stressful meeting, even if I'm Zoom, my tendency is to want to, to grab some chocolate after. Maybe it's you do a little, a little short workout or some kind of exercise before, a quick walk around your block or something like that before. Or you change your pattern. You mm. bring some water into the meeting and make sure you get like a good amount of water into you during that meeting. So a lot of it is just changing behavior patterns by just noticing that they're happening. Yeah. I'm always telling folks that if you are working on even just the skill of becoming more aware and noticing, meditation can actually be a great way to develop that skill. Are there any other ways that you think can help people with that? So something that has become, I think, my own quarantine superpower is finding all of these new well, probably not even new, but apps that are out that can really, really help because um, we've had a lot of time to do that. So there's a couple in particular that I really, really like that I have been so excited about that I have, it's become homework in all of my sessions for people to check these apps out. One of them is called Long Walks and it is basically sort of a journal to, to help create connection between you and people you care about. 
So it will give, it's a beautiful interface. It'll give a daily prompt. You can add whoever you want and they can, you can see each other's things. But if you have other friends that aren't, that don't know each other, they can't see each other's info. And every day it gives you a prompt. And some days the theme is gratitude. Some days it's, you know, challenging emotions. And it's a, it's a good way to change the way we are connected to people when we can't be, um, when we can't go to somebody's house or we can't go to dinner with them. So that's an example of doing the, doing the connection differently. Another one that I discovered recently is called fabulous, um, which is another one that has a great interface, super user-friendly. And it's a it's an app that's intended to develop, um, healthy habits and, um, tracking behaviors. Hmm. It's done in such an inspiring way that you're, you're going through it and you're like, yeah, heck yeah, I can do all of these things. Of course I can. It makes you want to do them. Even if some of the, the goals that you have are larger and longer term, but it does it by making small changes. So the very first goal that I have is to drink three glasses of water in the morning, you know, before before I get ready for my day, which is not a ton. And it's something super easy. And then after three days, I add something to that. And so building on habits, especially in this time when everything is changing, if there are habits you want to change, now's the time to do it because we're having to change them anyway. Yeah. Yeah. 100% agree. So I think this is probably a good place to end today's podcast. I will make sure that in the show notes, we include some of these references. So Glennon Doyle, sure. her book, Untamed, right? Is that yes. The name of the book? I haven't read her first one. I need to. Um, Glennon Doyle, Brene Brown, Quarantine VIPs. <laughs> and then the other apps that you mentioned yes. too. We'll make sure that we provide those resources. So anybody who's watching this or listening to this will get an opportunity to um, explore those a little further. So, um, so are there any, because we're coming up toward the end of this particular episode, are there any, any tips that you have for folks before mm -hmm. we wrap things up for today? Sure. I would say if you are noticing that you find yourself in the day saying, I can't do this, or I'm not doing this right, or any number of I can't type statements, Sit and give yourself a few minutes to think if it's realistic under the circumstances we're in to expect that you would do things the same way as you did before. Because most often you're going to find that the answer to that is no. And we also want to remember, this is not a pause in, in society that's not, you know, not crisis. This is a crisis. So it is okay to do things differently than you normally would. And to be okay hey, with sometimes maybe what you get done is 80%, not 120%. That is okay. It's a global pandemic. Yeah. Give ourselves some grace here. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the things that in the beginning, folks were like, okay, I, didn't, I don't need to put a new routine in place. This is only going to be two, three weeks, maybe. And now it's been, what, six weeks here for the Bay yeah. Area. And I'm looking at even as things open up, our, our new normal is still going to be very different. So yes. I think it's really important for folks to work on ways of coping with things that are serving them well, as opposed to creating more issues if we can help it, right? I think 
Go ahead. And something else that I think is really important to remember is that these circumstances are not normal. But even if they were, humans in general, we don't like uncertainty. Some of <laughs> us will say we do. We like surprises. We don't, right? Especially when it comes to our safety. Yeah. So if you're finding yourself struggling, your sleep is impacted, you're feeling overwhelmed, it is okay to reach out to somebody and ask for help. If you don't know where to get that, talk to a friend. Chances are a friend knows somebody that would know someone. But there are resources out there to help with this exact thing. Okay. So- Actually, if someone wanted to get a hold of you, what would be the best way to do that? Sure. They're welcome to check out my website. Um, my practice name is Mosaic Psychotherapy and Consulting. The website is www.mosaicsf.com. And if anybody would like to reach me just for quick tips or have questions, um, I the caveat, I'm only licensed in California and Massachusetts, so I want to be careful if people are looking for help. I don't necessarily have um, contacts to support outside of those areas, um, but my email is brie, and that's B-R-I-E, at mosaicsf.com. Okay, which makes me want to go have some cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time I've heard that. <laughs> I never said I was original. <laughs> Is this going to be one of those things for the outtakes where we're just like, <laughs> just cracking ourselves up? No, I, this is what I do all the time on these podcasts. It. I'm always, amazing. That, that's my goofy sense of humor that if people like it, then they they continue listening. Perfect. And if they don't, then they've, they've probably they're stopped lost. by now. <laughs> Fair point. Thank you so much for of spending course, the time better with us today. And um, I think I'm going to just leave it here. Do you have any favorite quotes? I usually end with a quote. Do you have any favorite quotes that you would like to share? I I do. It's not going to be super inspirational or poetic, but I want everybody to remember life is freaking hard, right? But as again, Glennon Doyle says, we can do hard things. We do it every day. This all is, you know, it's temporary in many ways. And when things are difficult, we just want to remember emotions are also temporary. All right. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Happy and Healthy Podcast with Amy Lang. If you enjoyed today's episode, by all means, hit the subscribe button now. If you're ready to get started, visit my website, moxieclub.com. That's M-O-X-I-E hyphen C-L-U-B dot com. And sign up for a free 20-minute coaching session with me. And remember, making your choices when you're in a state of abundance is where the magic happens.